Welcome, listeners, to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. Um, before I introduce my guests, I just want to introduce, and I have two guests, the, the scope of this podcast. Um, this podcast is um, to introduce a Facebook group called Waters of Mormon. It's a Facebook group for Latter-day Saints that are working to stay active in the church, but are working through really complicated issues. Some may call them in a faith crisis or a faith deconstruction, reconstruction, but their end goal is to find a way to stay in the church. And it's a group I joined um, during my YSI assignment way back in 2016 that was very helpful for me as I found a community of people. There's about 2,500 in the group that are looking to navigate really complicated topics within our faith. And the principles and ideas that were shared with me really became a wonderful community to, as I wanted to stay in the church and was working through really complicated things. I continued to be a member of the group, um, but I just felt impressed to reach out to the moderators of the group and, and see if they'd be willing to come on the podcast to talk about the group. The group is not, the group has a lot of criteria to meet to get into it, and they will talk about that and why there's criteria. They will talk about um, just the scope of the group and what they're trying to accomplish and how moderation works. It's a heavily moderated group for important reasons. Um, so that's a little bit of the background. So if you've left the church, it's not a, a, a group for you to join. If you are not looking to sort of discuss or understand or in um, the complicated issues of the church and want to stay clear from those issues, it's really not a group for you to join. Um, but it's a group that we'll be talking about. So. My guests on today's podcast are my friend Jerry Renshaw and Peter Ryan. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Richard. Thanks very much. Um, Lee, just so we're clear, was on episode 571, and she talked about another Facebook group. And I don't want people to get confused. She and my brother David introduced a Facebook group called Bridges. It's for LDS parents that have adult children that have stepped away from the church. And if you want to listen to that podcast, it's episode 571, and join that Facebook group. That is different than the group we're going to um, talk about on this podcast. So with that, um, Geralee was the moderator that actually vetted me to get in the group. So she's become a dear friend, and I've seen her work for a long time, and I've become more aware of Peter as a co-moderator in the group. And um, I don't know who wants to start first. I think you're both going to share a little bit of your story. And I think a lot of this podcast is going to be explaining to our listeners the scope of the group. I'll be happy to jump in and go first. Um, many of you have listened to me before on Richard's <laughs> podcast, but briefly, a little over 10 years ago, um, we had a child come to us in what I would describe as a near complete faith deconstruction. And it really took me by surprise. And it ended up being a difficult and painful experience for me. But in the process of trying to support this child who I could see was in a grieving process and in some pain, I decided that I needed to try as best I could to understand what had happened. And I really had never known anybody who had experienced anything like this. So um, the first thing I did was actually Google faith crisis. And I found out that, guess what? There's a whole bunch of other people who have experienced something similar, although no two stories are ever quite alike. So I began to study a lot of things about our history and our doctrine that I hadn't necessarily been taught in all of my years of growing up in the church and going to seminary and Sunday school and all the correlated things that I did. Um, and, and some of those things were surprising to me. And um, I started to understand that it was complicated. So um, after uh, spending quite a bit of time looking into things, I kind of came to a place where I my feelings about the church and, and belief had changed. And so I, I had experienced a shift and, um, but I still found value in, and I especially love the people in the church. It's my community. I was born and raised in the church. And so I have had this desire to want to stay and be connected. Um, and so one of the things that I've learned is that there's lots of things that bring people to a place where, um, they question things or they have doubts or they just don't believe the same way that they used to. 
And, um, and sometimes it's really important that we have a place where we can talk about those things because church doesn't always feel like that place, right? So I've given myself permission to be on this journey and I have benefited over the last 10 years. I think it was 2012 that I first came into the group and became a moderator shortly after that. So um, I've been around here, this group for a long time, and it really honestly is my favorite little safe corner of the internet. And, um, so that's kind of my story about how I came to it. I also watched my child, um, try to find a group when they were in the wrestle that would be a support like this, but didn't find it because there really wasn't one that existed at that time. So I do feel like this group kind of has a unique focus and an important mission to help support people, um, on the, in this wrestle. So that's kind of my story that brings me here. Thank you, Jerry. Peter from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, you're next. <laughs> right. So Jerry has this uh, nice uh, practiced summary of, of her journey. And mine, mine's messy. Um, it's, it's really hard for me to summarize it so nicely and neatly. So everyone's just going to have to deal with me a little <laughs> bit. Um I'm going to give a little bit of fair warning that I'm going to discuss some some things that are a little bit difficult for some people. I think we would call this a trigger warning for some people. Um, and and that that is core to, to my journey that brought me here. Um, I was um, in the young single adult program in, in my late 20s. I was a little old for a Mormon not to be married and, uh, you know, was was um, I thought full in with the church i i um you know kind of had the same political beliefs that most members have i had a lot of the same religious beliefs i, I was i was all in i had been a ward clerk basically from the time i came home from my mission up until around this time and um when i was um just starting um my my last kind of degree program that i was in i had allowed somebody to to sleep on my couch and um it was, it just turned into a bad thing. It was just another guy in the stake. And, um, I, I wound up being sexually assaulted by another member of the church. Wow. Um, we'll go to graphic detail here, but as you might imagine, it was very traumatic in a lot of ways for me. Um, one of them just being an almost a disappointment in my own response to it. Um, and, and that, that is a conversation for another day. I tried kind of just moving on from this experience but what apparently happened is this guy had gone back to his bishop and told a story that was a little different than the one that I remember experiencing. And that bishop then told the state president, who then told my bishop, and I was brought in for a deep and probing interview. And really, I had some suspicion, obviously, in the back of my mind it was connected, but there was nothing said. Um, this progressed um over over a period of a couple of years. And in the meantime, I, I met my now wife. Um, we had started dating. Um, we I was in this weird limbo where I um, had renewed my temple recommend, but the state president didn't activate it. It was shortly after they added barcodes and they had to be activated, right? So I was going to the temple and I was being allowed in the temple and being told every single time that I, that I needed to just call the state clerk because there was clearly a mistake, right? Um, that it should have been activated. Um, in that same time frame, of course, I got to know my wife. I proposed to my wife. We're getting ready to be married in the temple together. And that's when my state president in that state um, decided that he was going to, he just told me that it just wasn't going to happen because there, there was something I wasn't telling him. And um, it was in this discussion where I learned about the alternative story that this, this other person had relayed to his bishop and had made it kind of third hand to the state president. Well, my wife lived in a different state. And um, as we were kind of consolidating households, I wound up moving into her parents' house ahead of our marriage in the new stake. And I was hopeful at the time that, um, a new state president would be a new beginning and in, in all the worst ways it was the new state president was, was much less willing to listen. And, um, I've, I've talked about this in, in some detail in some other places. Um, so I, I 
kind of forget who I had told details to in the Waters of Mormon and other, and other places. But the short version is that this sake president basically told me that if I didn't confess to him that his version of events was the way things had gone, then I would never, ever be married in the temple. And, and that's what happened. My, my wife and I wound up getting married in my aunt's backyard, which is, of course, the ideal for every Mormon couple. Um, and I, I, I wound up on the shadow ban with the church where I wasn't excommunicated. I wasn't disfellowship. I wasn't disciplined, but I wasn't allowed to do anything. I wasn't really allowed to participate. And um, I was told every time I objected that I needed to, that I could appeal to the first presidency. And so I did. And it failed every time. And, you know, Mormon guy, like, you know, (laughs) priesthood holder, returned missionary endowed in the temple. It seems like I should have been in all the most privileged kind of positions as far as a church member goes, um, had, had been in the room where decisions were being made for most of my adult life to that point, um, was completely ignored. It, it, initially, I, la- I later learned they sent a 70 to investigate who never talked to me, wrote a report back to the first presidency that said I was a liar and should probably be excommunicated. Um, I appealed again at another point. I'm trying to get somebody to just listen and um, still didn't listen to. They didn't talk to me, but there, there was another investigation done that resulted in nothing. Eventually, um, they got an area an area 70 to come talk to me. And that, that's where um, kind of my resolution with kind of the church circumstance happened. Eventually, that state president was released. And eventually, my wife and I were able to be sealed and everything. Wow. But the whole experience made me question everything that I had ever assumed about the church. How could these men who are meant to be prophets, who are meant to be channels from God, completely miss the injustice of this? How could they not have revelation on something that was meant to be profound? Because this was denying what I perceived at the time is my ability to have an eternal family. I wasn't able to and, and my my kids were all born, by the way, by the time it actually got resolved, by the time we were sealed in the temple, my now eight year old was was about a year old. So it was it was a, a very long journey for us. Um, and uh, so I'm also a, a kind of an academic mind. I've got that doctorate level degree. I've got an analytical personality. And, and so like generally, I was also looking at, at what other people were saying. Have other people had this experience? Um and even though I was familiar with some of these kind of things we don't talk much about in church, from church history, they never struck me the way that they do now. While I was living that fully, truly, full-in, believing Mormon life. Um, but when I, when I kind of got kicked out of the cave, kind of got kicked out of the group, right? Um, suddenly I was seeing things in a very different light. And it, it makes it very difficult to believe the way that you once did that said like generally this is i mean everything good in my life is connected to the church i would not have met my wife were it not for the church i would not have my kids i would not be where i am i would not have many of the loved ones that i have in my life including people that i met as a missionary were it not for the church so although there has been a lot of harm done to me and my family in a lot of ways by the church I still want to be part of this community. And so, you know, I, I came to the, to the waters of Mormon after I'd already worked my way through a lot of this, but this, this is the sort of community that, that I have needed. And I'm hopeful that your listeners will, will find that there, that there are a segment of your listeners that can benefit from what we have. It really is a wonderful space. On behalf of our listeners, Peter, thank you. That took a lot of courage to just share what you just shared. I'm hearing that, listeners, for the very first time. Um, and I'm pretty sobered by what you shared. Um, I think it's remarkable you're in the church. It's a credit to you and what I would guess is a foundational testimony of unique doctrine or something that you've been able to have the cognitive ability to separate this painful experience from other parts of the church that work for you. And um, I wonder, I respect your wife for, and your family for going through a marriage where you're not able to be in the temple and, and wondering all the stories that are being talked about around you too. Um, 
just all this church-generated pain where church should be the most healing, helpful place, but where it becomes the source of the pain, the logical thing is to leave <laughs> and, to, and to separate yourself from that pain. And our, we recognize, the three of us, that really good people do separate themselves from the pain. But, I mean, that's the purpose of this group is to find community where all of us have our individual experiences but there's an ability to bear and mourn and comfort when um, there's difficult experiences that come in our life. Church-generated pain, concerns about the history, concerns about current issues, and a safe place to process all those. I love Jerry Ger- Lee calling out a little corner of the internet. Uh, but Peter, on behalf of all our listeners, thank you for sharing that. And your courage just to somehow work through that. And I would guess your ability to empathize and understand others and believe others. Um, because if when they open up about their experiences, you probably hit some ministering home runs in Waters of Mormon and other circles where you operate, just that you get it and you know how to help people in really tough situations and navigate the complexities. So thank you. I um, listened to one of your other episodes, um, kind of preparing for this, and you had somebody on from from Southern California who talked about having to go through these vertical learning experiences in order to become that better person, right? And I, I say that's true from my perspective. If if I look back on the Peter of twenty years ago, we're not the same people. I, I know the connection, but if you were to meet the two of us at the same time, you you wouldn't guess that we were the same person. It's cool. Um, so thank you both. And that's, these two stories just represent Waters of Mormon. Everybody's coming together with very different stories, but with the same goal to sort of navigate this with the goal to try to stay engaged in the church. That's, so maybe Jerry or Peter could talk more about the group and the criteria to get in. And, um, maybe that's the next good step. Yeah. Let me just share a little bit, um, about the focus of Waters of Mormon from our, um, group description. Um, Waters of Mormon is a place for people who struggle, for people who have questions, who feel challenged. There are many online options for those who struggle, but this one has the specific focus and characteristic of gathering people who have a desire to stay constructively engaged within the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We come together to witness each other's journeys within the borders of Mormonism to practice a thoughtful faith that allows us to continue in our journey while remaining in constructive engagement with LDS friends, family members, local congregations, and larger church community. We do so by embracing what Alma described in Mosiah 18. We seek to lift each other's burdens that they may be light, mourn with those that mourn, and comfort those that stand in need of comfort. And that's what we mean by bearing one another's burdens, and that's what we hope for in this group. And as you can have all witnessed from um, just the sharing of what brought me here and what brought Peter here, there are all kinds of stories. And those of us on the moderation team who do vetting, um, I personally consider it kind of a sacred experience to hear about people's stories. And um, we just ask a little bit about, you know, what brings you here? Just tell us a little bit about, you know, your interest in this group, what brings you here. And sometimes people really open up and share vulnerability like like Peter has with us today, things that are really painful. You know, life is messy. And for a lot of us, life within the church is messy. And um, that's what we recognize is that um, when we share our stories, they may not be alike, but we find common threads that help us to be able to understand, feel understood, feel less alone, and to be able to support one another. Um, Peter, was there anything you wanted to add about the focus and mission of Waters of Mormon from your perspective? I, I mean, amen, right? This this is a space for those, um, I think, largely in pain. I, I came to the group after kind of the painful chapter was largely behind me, but man, I, I desperately would have wanted it. If, if I had known it was there, it would have been a great benefit. And, and still, Having gone past kind of the most painful parts, the pain isn't over. And and even after we kind of worked our way through and kind of reconciled things, there are still moments that come up where I I benefit greatly from this space that, that we have, have cultivated that that uh, allows us to just 
just kind of get it out, right? There's a space where you can say, this happened at church today and I just need to talk about it. And it's there and it's available and it's safe. And there's a couple thousand people that are right there saying, don't worry, you've got this. I feel it too. Yeah. Amen to all of that. Should we talk a little bit about um, the admitting process and what yes. kind of the requirements we're looking for to join the group? Should we go to that, Richard? Yeah. And listeners, I will link to the the Facebook group in the show notes. So if you're wondering how you're going to find it, if you're interested, it will be in the show notes so you can find it. If you decide after listening to the podcast, it's the right group for you. Great. So I've been around since um, the beginning of this group when we used to just admit people. They asked to join the group. We admitted them and we didn't know anything about them. And what we learned is that we really did have a specific focus. And if we wanted to maintain that, then we needed to know a little bit about the people who wanted to join and what their desires were and what and what they were aware of. So we began many years ago now a little vetting process. So if you ask to join the group, you need to look in your um it's kind of a hidden folder, message requests folder, because if a moderator isn't connected to you on Facebook, that's where the message is going to go for a message from the moderation team. And it's not always me. It's not always Peter. We rotate, we take turns. Um, So it could be anyone on the moderation team who will reach out to you. But there's three questions that are asked at the beginning when you want to join the group. And first, we want to know, and this is important, and I'll explain why. We want to know that each person has at least read the gospel topics essays on the church website. And some people say, well, why is that? Like, I already know about polygamy. I already know about this. Well, what we found through experience, because this group's been around long enough that we kind of learn as we go, is that sometimes, because we all come to this space for different reasons, for example, maybe a maybe an adult is coming seeking support because they have an LGBTQ child and they're their struggle is new to, to this issue. Like why, why is my child not accepted? And they're in pain with that. And then they come and join the group and they find that we're talking about lots of things and lots of things that are covered in these gospel topics essays. And I've seen it happen on more than one occasion where somebody joined the group before we had a vetting process for one reason. And then they came in and they were exposed to things they were not yet aware of. And it put them in a more difficult place on their journey. And we don't want to cause that pain for people. So at a minimum, we feel like um, if you go to the church website and find the gospel topics essays, and we can link to those too, Richard, maybe in the show notes. Yes. um, And read those then come to us. Then we know that we're not exposing you to anything by our discussions there. You're at least aware of what the church has to say about these issues, and you're not going to be surprised to hear about um, some of the aspects of polygamy or translation or whatever. So we do want to know that. That's the first thing we ask. Also, I guess I should mention, everyone needs to have their own Facebook profile. We don't accept joint accounts. We are very careful about confidentiality in this group. So if, uh, let's say, a husband and wife have a joint account and one person joins the group, but the spouse can also access the group and they haven't gone through the vetting process and agreed to the confidentiality, then that can be a problem. So we do require that everybody has an individual Facebook profile um, with your full legal name on it. So first and last name. No pseudonyms. We want we want everybody to kind of come as their authentic self. We do all take the same risks in any online space. So that's important. The second question is asking, are you active and working to stay constructively engaged? So if you've already made a decision that I can no longer attend the church, then this group wouldn't be the right you know place for you. But if you're still working on wanting to stay and there's anything of value for you in trying to stay in the church, then that's what the second question is about. Are you active and constructively engaged? The third question is just simply for our own information. How'd you hear about the group? So um, sometimes people will hear about it in another Facebook group. Sometimes people will listen to listen, learn and love and hear about a group like this, or sometimes it gets discussed in another Facebook group. So it's always just kind of interesting for us to hear Um, how somebody found us. Some people do a Google search. Some people do a Facebook search. There's all kinds of reasons. So those are really the three things that we want to know and and what we're looking for in someone's own 
um, profile. And we do as moderators, you know, look at people's profiles before we reach out to them. And then after that, we hope to have a conversation with you if you respond to our messages. Peter, have I missed anything that you can think of there? No, I think you got it. The um, Just emphasizing again the uh, the gospel topic essays, when I vet people, those who do push back, and there are not many, most people are doing this very sincerely, but those who push back, it always seems to be related to whether they've read the, the gospel topic essays. I think as a certainly as a moderator team, and I think the kind of the culture of the group is that we don't want to destroy a testimony that somebody has and loves. We want to support people who are trying to find a new one or rebuild one that was already broken. Exactly. So another interesting thing, sometimes um, someone will, I will see someone answer, no, I haven't read the essays. I've been afraid to. And I understand that feeling. But as a moderator of a group where these things are discussed, if you're not yet ready to read the essays, then you're probably not yet ready for the discussions that take place in this group. And that's what we're, we're so in essence, we're kind of trying to protect other people. We want to make sure that this group is a good fit for you, as well as you being a good fit for the focus of this group. And really, I mean, you can tell by, you know, Peter's story and my story, we are all kinds within this group. And I would say that even on the belief spectrum, we are all kinds. I mean, I think we have members of our group who are, you know, maybe full believers or, you know, really feel strongly or about close to it. Yeah, or close to it and really feel strongly about belief in certain areas. And I would say we also have people in the group all the way down the spectrum that really have no literal belief, but they find other reasons why it's that they feel it's valuable to them to stay in the church. And you know what? Sometimes I've heard people say, I have to stay in the church for to save my marriage. And for me, that's a really valid reason to try to fight for this. And so we don't have a we don't have a bar for, you know, you have to believe this much in order to join this group. And I'll, I have to give this quote by President Uchtdorf because it really fits here too. But in 2014, in a conference talk, Dieter Uchtdorf said, the church is a home for all to come together, regardless of the depth or height of your testimony. I know of no sign on the door of our meeting house that says your testimony must be this tall to enter. And that's true of this group too. And one of the things that we learn in this group is how to support other people who see, feel, and believe differently than we do. And we do ask our members to hold space for each other because sometimes strong opinions or views are expressed in this group that we might disagree with. And so we do ask people to share from their, um, as their opinion, in my opinion, in my lived experience, this is the way it is, rather than to say, oh, well, that's not true, you know, and make other people feel like their their views are not validated. So there's a lot of things that we learn in this group about how to interact with people that are different than us that I think help us outside of the group as well in our families and our in our ward communities too. So that's kind of what the requirements are for the group. Um, um listeners, it's just this is such a unique space. I didn't know this space existed. And I think it was my cousin Rob um, back in 2016 when I joined the group that made me aware of the group. And I needed community of people. I wanted to stay, using Geraldine's words, constructively engaged in the church. Um, and I didn't feel safe opening up at church. <laughs> I was a singles word bishop at the time. I didn't feel safe kind of opening up and Bishopric meeting or to my priestly leader, to my ward members about some of the complex issues I was working through. Um, and I, this group was really helpful for me. I realized I was not alone. There are other um, people working through the same issues. And I learned so much. Um, Peter said something really interesting, a new testimony. Um, I've never thought of that before, but maybe that's what happened for me. Um, being part of this group was a reconstruction of a new type of testimony that has allowed me to stay constructively engaged in the church. Um, I remember Geraldine vetting me, listeners. I remember she talks about Facebook. So those of you who understand Facebook, you get messages on Facebook. There's Facebook Messenger. And since we weren't Facebook friends, um, suddenly this message showed up in my other 
requests. So look at, as Jerry said, look in your other requests from somebody that's not a Facebook friend, unless you happen to be Facebook friends with a current moderator. And Jerry, um, I think the the dean or the of <laughs> LDS moderator groups. I don't dean, queen, king. Czar, um, kind of embarrassing. <laughs> you're embarrassed, but you are really good at this. You're firm. You were firm with me um, because of the reasons you said. I was a. I don't think jarring is the right word, but I was. I was respect. It made me respect you more in the group more because of the firm process you went through. You wanted to make sure I wasn't coming in there to preach to people. You wanted to make sure that I actually read the gospel topic essays because you didn't want to cause a faith crisis. You And think of the grace of that, listeners, that here are people that are really processing pain and difficulty, but they're not um, on an agenda to pull other people into the same pain um, and difficulties. If they're outside of this pain and outside of these complex issues, there's not an agenda to draw them in. Um, so I thought that was so thoughtful and so insightful. and. And the group has been very helpful for me, and um, that's why I'm glad that it exists. And hopefully this podcast, if you fit the criteria, will help you. Um, I did a Twitter poll when I was in my faith crisis, and I put it in one of my books that if you're, you know, LDS, active LDS and hold a temple recommend and in a faith crisis, is your hope to find a way to stay in the church or is your hope to find a way to leave? And 86% said, I hope to find a way to stay. I think it was 86. And I also, in that same Twitter poll later on, in a different Twitter poll, but in the same time frame, said, if you're in a faith crisis, have you told your bishop or not? And most hadn't because they're, they're nervous about opening up and they don't know how people respond. So that's why this group is very helpful. And often it gives people the courage and the principles and the tools and boundaries to open up um, appropriately. People, I've learned boundaries from the group. Um, but talk about a couple things. Talk about politics. Um, if the group is a great place to talk politics or not, you've mentioned the word confidentiality, but talk again about confidentiality because some people may be worried if they're vulnerable and open up that, gosh, this might get back to whoever. <laughs> yeah. So, um, hey. Peter, do you want to talk about politics? Let's let Peter do the politics. Yeah. I don't mind. I don't mind because, you know, Geraldine and I know where each other sit politically in, in the moderator room. We're a little more open with each other than um, than is in Waters of Mormon. And it's a weird thing for those of us who, who have come up into life through the LDS Mormon heritage, particularly my generation who had the, the President Benson childhood, right? Very conservative politically. A lot of our political beliefs feel very tied into our spiritual beliefs. But we all know why it's a bad idea to talk about politics in certain circumstances, right? There's memes about not bringing them up at Thanksgiving dinner, right? So for us in the Waters of Mormon, we have found through extensive experience that politics just has to be off the table. You know, even, even very subtle references to the current president that you may not like, whether it's this one or the last one or the next one causes problems. So we, we just take it off the table. Yes, we recognize that there is a connection to your spiritual journey. This is not the space for it. So basically, none of us get paid enough to moderate a political dialogue. <laughs> and, and, you know, this is just a volunteer position, so none of us get paid. But, you know, moderating just um, the group without political discussion is um, sometimes tricky enough without getting into that. And there are lots of other places where politics can be discussed. So we have a hard and fast, no politics rule in our group. And um, I think it's... There's already a lot of strong emotion in our group. There is. Let's keep it keep it structured. Yeah, we just don't go there. Richard, the second thing you asked after politics, talk about politics, talk about, I can't remember what you said. Confidentiality. 
Oh, confidentiality. Okay. So I'm going to go back really quickly to what Richard said. So as I recall, Richard, when I vetted you, we do not ask people what their calling is when they ask to join the group, but often people volunteer that to us. And I think Richard is a, a very open book. And I think he said, I'm currently serving as a bishop. So long ago, when we had our very first bishop that asked to join the group, I brought it to the moderation team and said, how do we feel about somebody in a leadership position joining this group, because there may be someone in this group that's in their ward or their stake, because we do have even stake leaders in the group. So we had a long talk about that, and we decided that we needed to be extra careful and clear about confidentiality with a church leader, because they might come into the group and find that somebody in their own community is is a member of the group and we want this to be a confidential space so um, the rules of the group do stress confidentiality we ask everyone before they join the group actually twice to agree to the rules of confidentiality which is that anything said in this group is not shared outside of the group for any reason without permission from the person who said it so if that is breached, and in the long history of this group, it has happened a few times, it is not a big problem, but it has happened, that person will be removed if we find out about it, because we take it that seriously. We all depend on it. We need this to be a place where we can bring the things that are difficult to the table to talk about them without being concerned about somebody sharing what you said. And on the confidentiality note, in fact, we're careful enough you only have to have this happen once as a moderator where you admit someone to the group and then later their spouse asks to join the group. And sometimes a spouse wants to join the group because they want to know what the other spouse is saying in the group. And so as a general rule, we go to the original person who's a member of the group. So if it's a husband that joins first and then the wife joins or vice versa, we go to the original member and say, your spouse has requested to join the group. Is, th is that going to work for you? We don't want to get in the middle of people's marital issues. And we want both people to feel comfortable about um, this being your safe space. And generally, yes, yes, I told my wife about it. I want her to come join the group. That's the question. But we have, and I have a few times, even within the last year, had a situation where I was told, no, that would not be a good idea. And so we are very, we try to be very careful. We're not perfect, but we do try to be very careful because we do take confidentiality very seriously. Talk about introductory posts. Is that required? Um, versus I I'm comfortable joining the group. I feel like I'd pass the moderation hurdles, but I just kind of want to hear, um, read people's stories. Maybe just reading people's stories would just help me in my own journey. Right. If you don't mind, Jerry, I'll tackle that one. Um, the introductory posts are often our favorites. I, I really enjoy them most of the time. Um, I'm, I'm going to apologize quickly because I think I have some children running through the hall outside my door here. You might hear it. Um, the, uh, the introductory posts are, are often where people are finally feeling comfortable. They've been in the group for a little bit. They, they're getting a feel for how it goes. And this is where they finally are able to get off their chest in a substantive way. This is what I've been going through. And it, it, it really is warming to, to share that experience with somebody and to be able to sit there with them and say, you're, you're good. Well, what I say to people often enough is welcome home. Like, like we're your people and, and, and we're here to support you, but it is not required for all that. I love the introductory posts. I have never made one and, and I'm one of the moderators now. So, and, and I'm, you know, at this point, I'm, I'm not shy about my story. Obviously I just shared it with, with you and your listeners, but when I entered the group, I still hadn't put that out in a public space. Only those closest to me were aware of what had happened to me. So um, it, it wasn't at the time a, a thing I was willing to share. And I don't want anyone coming in the group to feel like they have to share something that is still too personal and too painful. But please make yourself comfortable. And, and we, we want to know what's happening with you. We really do. And we're, we're a good group to do it in. So, Richard, some people um, are hesitant about that. Can I just listen? Do I have to say anything? And I always say there is no requirement, like Peter said. But you know what? When you share 
you will be blown away at the support you receive. So when you're ready, if you ever feel like you're ready, please do share because you will be overwhelmed with the love and the support that you feel from members of this group. And that is really an important and beautiful thing that happens within this group. It's really great. And I'm glad Peter mentioned that he always welcomes people home because if he didn't mention it, I was going to mention it. I love that he does that welcome home. And it does feel like that. And sometimes people are so surprised to enter a space where so many people understand them or have empathy or just validate what their experience is because we don't often find that when we go to church. And that's why a group like this is so important because the kind of questions and the things that we wrestle with we don't always feel like church is a safe place to bring them up or, you know, you don't want to derail a teacher's lesson or, or whatever it is. And so, unfortunately, I wish church was a place where we could talk about all these things, where the, to- the things in the gospel topics essays were discussed regularly, but I find that they're discussed rarely. And, um, and some of us really want to just be able to be open about those things. So, um, can I add to that too? When sorry, Gerald, you finished. Oh, I'll add. I'm good. I'm good. Okay, but that that desire that church be the safe haven, I think that is is much more widely felt than we individually perceive. Um, I, I am a person willing to to say a lot. I'm sorry, my son decided I need chocolate. So you heard some door noise there. Sorry. Um, but, but I, I talk, I speak up. I don't like a bully when I feel like somebody is acting the part of a bully toward a group that is marginalized within the, the boundaries of our church community. Um, I, I say something and, and to the embarrassment of my wife, to, to some certain extent, I, I have, we no longer go to state conference because I stood up to object to somebody once I wanted it known. Um, <laughs> it, it matters to me. And I find that every time I do this, somebody, some multiple people come to me afterward and say, thank you. I needed somebody to say that. I wish we could say this in church. Um, about a year ago, for example, I, um, we, I don't know if listeners will recall, but about a year ago, we had a lesson on um, one of the Sundays in Sunday school about the proclamation on the family. And as people going through these kinds of experiences may know, some of us have some concerns with the proclamation on the family and the way that it gets used toward members of the LGBTQ plus community, right? And I, I mentioned those concerns and my ward literally yelled at me, literally got up, yelled stood up on their chairs, a couple of them, and yelled down at me as I was sitting in line. Somebody visiting her family in the back of the room, somebody asked me, are you bothered by this? And I didn't get a chance to answer because this this poor sister behind me burst into tears and goes, it matters to me. I care about this. And, and fortunately, she was sitting next to the Relief Society president, who was a wonderful, wonderful soul. Um, and and it was it was big emotions. And, and those who were in the group at the time, I, I did make a post about it. And so they're aware of the story. Um, what, what less people will recall, although I posted about it as well, three days later, I was working at home and a member of the ward knocked on the door with flowers, kind of ostensibly for my wife, but really she wanted to come in and just talk with me. And um, I'm not going to share her story, right? But the, the highlights are that she has LGBTQ kids. She has um, stories of her own from her past. And, and all of it feels disregarded and often enough despised by the members of our, of our faith community. And the fact that I said something meant the world to her and her husband. And, and I, I don't think I did anything fantastic. We should all be doing this. But it's rare, at least in our in our very, very pleasant and vanilla Mormon communities. Um, I really wish I was in Peter's ward. (laughs) (laughs) It's um, one of the things listeners as I'm reminded more of this group is I've, I, it, it seems like there's a peak posting on Sunday and some of those are difficult experiences where 
someone needs to share a difficult experience, this is their, their corner of the internet to do that. And people share really good experiences. Um, it's not just a place where people are harping on the church. I think Geraldine and Ryan and Peter have made that clear, but often people are sharing really good experiences um, where someone, and those are helpful um, for me and, and my perspective and what I can do. Um, I guess what I'm partly saying in the good experiences and the bad experiences, I've learned so much about how to be a better, I don't join the group because of this, but I, it has helped me um, just have more, be more thoughtful with my comments because I've heard so many different perspectives on things that I probably said in the past that would be deeply triggering. And it's not like I, I still teach the doctrine of the church and still believe in it, but there's just thoughtful ways to do this. And proclamation of the family, I support the proclamation of family, but I recognize it doesn't explain to LGBTQ people to how to live their life. It just kind of reminds them of what's not possible unless they want to be in a mixed orientation marriage or feel called to be celibate. That's a whole nother discussion, but there's just a lot of, and someone, often people use it as a sounding board. I've seen that, Geraldine and Peter, where people say, you know, I'm a gospel doctrine teacher. I'm an elders corps instructor. I'm faced with this lesson. Um, Give me some ideas, um, group, on how to navigate this. And I don't know if either you want to comment on that. I've really seen wonderful sounding board um, sharing of how to approach um, teaching a topic or a general conference talk. I don't know. You can talk about that or just kind of go anywhere you want to. I'll just say amen to that, that um, I love to hear those kind of reports where um, either someone's preparing for a lesson or, and then sometimes people will come back, return and report, right? And say, this is how it went. And sometimes it went really well. And sometimes it wasn't such a great experience, you know? And so, so raw feelings are shared in the group. And sometimes we just say, basically, we're here for you. We sit with you. We are not alone in this. Um, so one of the things I think is important about um, this group is while our focus is constructive engagement and, and attending and being active, we don't, we don't allow preaching in the group. Yeah, and so we're not that. there to... T- we're not there to tell other people what's right or what's the right way or what the right thing for them to do is. You won't find that in this group, or at least that's not what our focus is. Our focus is to kind of meet people where they are and then try to lift from where we stand. So um, this isn't a group where we're going to be preaching. This is a group of people that come together because of a shared desire to to stay and to try to work through the difficulties and to wrestle together and to not be alone. And so we try to just support that in, in sharing positive lived experiences and sharing the pain because this is often a, a messy thing, this, this wrestle. And, you know, sometimes those of us who are in this space feel that other people look at us like we're in the process of leaving rather than being in the process of staying. But being in the process of staying can be tricky and it's not always easy not always easy but people are people are um sincere in in their desire and for whatever their reason is to want to stay um constructive and engaged i just want to share and a big amen to this quote but the givens in the crucible of doubt i think it's on the cover of the book said the body of christ needs its full complement of members the devout the wayward the uncomfortable and the struggling and i believe that and i want there to be a place for everyone who wants to be there to feel welcome on the pews for whatever reason they want to be there whether they believe or whether they don't believe i feel like church should be a welcoming place Amen to that. And building off of, of what Jerry Lee said about the no preaching, we, we as LDS people, Mormon people, come from a background of, of needing to know. And those of us who have come to the waters of Mormon no longer know. And, and even now, years and years into my journey, I have just had to become comfortable with recognizing that I don't know. But we'll find that a lot of newer members are still trying to find that new set of knowledge, new members of our group. And uh, this was a couple of years ago now. This, this is a lighthearted example, but I think it exemplifies the process that we're going through very well. There was a member of the group who was talking about trying to bring meditation practice, kind of Eastern faith, Eastern spirituality meditation practice 
into her life to see if that could help with what was going on. And there, there's, of course, valid reasons to, to do this. And uh, she was asking about how she should do it. And there was a lot of good discussion in the group. And um, and, and I, I, I remember throwing out there something about when, when I was a missionary, there was a, a, a pastor of a, of a big cathedral. I, I served in Switzerland. So I was in this garden in this uh, in this uh, cathedral and the the kind of pastor or preacher that that was in charge of the complex came out and was talking to us little you know young Mormon guys and uh, was talking about the med- the Christian meditative practices that they would use that garden for over the centuries. And uh, so I, I just mentioned it as an aside to say, hey, there's even some Christian meditation made it sorry, I can't speak meditative practices that you can can try. And and her response to that was I didn't even think about there being multiple ways to, to do this from, from other faiths. And, and one of the things I mentioned was you could just try one. And if it doesn't work, do another one. And if it stops working, try another one. And she said, I, I was still looking for the one true way to meditate. It didn't occur to me that I could just mix and match and try it as it fits. And, and um, I think for a lot of us, that's one of the benefits to this, this group and this process where we don't preach and we don't say, this is the way we say, this has been what I have felt. This has been what, I have experienced, maybe it'll benefit you, maybe it won't, but this is how it has impacted me. And, and it leads to a much more diverse and, and empathetic community than I think we find outside of our space. I'm really enjoying this podcast, listeners, just <laughs> listening to Peter and Geraldine and thinking about my own story and their story. And <clears throat> I just am reminded of how important this group was to me. I made some introductory posts. It was the most vulnerable space I could find. And when you two described the, I felt so much love and support. It was really quite shocking. I thought there might be some preaching or some, um, and I just felt this group of people that had been on this road longer. I was brand new to it. I'd lived without dissonance. I'd lived, um, just in a different world. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. And then I faced dissonance as I had priesthood responsibility for a couple of gay men and sort of recognized the complexity of that space and the complexity of their lives and the choices they were facing that straight members didn't face. And it was painful to see that space up front and personal. And it was real because these are good men. And this group in those introductory posts were so helpful to me. And, um, you know, I look back, I wrote down the things that really helped me in my new testimony. Yeah, my wife was a big part of that. My resident stake president who gave me permission. He was a safe place for me. He gave permission to have a fallen domino or two, um, which was very helpful for me because I had dominoes with deep roots um, that kept me sort of constructively engaged in the church. And he helped me see those, but he didn't try to fix my fallen dominoes. He's he had some really wonderful ministering skills of just giving me permission. Even he, even though he didn't have those fallen dominoes, he let me have fallen dominoes and didn't make our whole relationship about fixing those dominoes, but helping me see what dominoes I had that were still standing. Um, the book Planted really helped me from Patrick Mason, as I mentioned, this Facebook group. But I always thought when I joined the Facebook group, um, this reminds me, Peter, you reminded me of this, that I would go back to no dissidence, um, that I would go back to the way it was back in 2015 when there were no fallen dominoes. And I would finally I would reconstruct a world with no fallen dominoes. But um, Jody Hansen England was on the podcast, and she talked about just continuing with dissidence, um, continuing with the paradoxes and continuing with the unresolved issues. And that's really where I've netted out. I haven't really thought about it till. The last year or two, and that's I don't expect now to go back to the way it was, and I probably don't want to. Um, it's given me you talk about empathy, it's probably given me more empathy, compassion, more insights into other people's journey because of my own journey. And I wouldn't um, undo this, even though it's been painful. <laughs> and Sundays for me are sometimes difficult because we're not having the kind of conversations that are in my head. And um, with a lot of people I love and part of this Facebook group. And the other thing I drew is kind of a box between, I mean, I, I, I like, there's people that are out of the church that we both know and love, 
And I've wondered if more people, if our congregations could normalize what this group is normalized or a support group within our wards and stake to normalize um, what's being done in this group, if we would help more people stay. I think a lot of people want to stay and they just, they don't have a, a, a support structure and people with the skills to help them stay and do a new, develop a new testimony or live with fallen dominoes. And, and so this is a wonderful group. Um, not everybody that joins the group, you two can talk about this, stay. Some give farewell posts <laughs> and they mm-hmm. say, you know, this group has been, you, and you could talk about those. And the comments to those posts are wonderful. And it's just, we love you and we honor you in your journey. And yeah. they recognize the group. They don't meet the criteria anymore because they've moved to a different place. And those posts are equally as touching to me. They're good people. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I, one just, thing, and I just one When you've been on this journey. Go ahead, yeah, Peter. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. When you've been on this journey, you recognize that the church is not a healthy place for everybody. And there's sometimes valid paths out as much as you want to stay yourself. You can't go through this and think that your answer is the answer for everybody. Yeah. And we do honor that. We do honor that not everybody stays and um, recognize that for some people, when they come in the group, um, may be just a stepping stone on their path. Um, But we but we do feel strongly about maintaining this space's focus. So we wish people well and and really, you know, honor that. I mean, People who've listened to me know that I have three out of four of my children who have left the church. So I honor all these different paths, right? So for me, it's really a process of growth. Um, And growth is painful and it's uncomfortable. If we think about um, planting a seed, it has to crack open. It has to break open before it can bloom into being a beautiful flower. And so it's often an uncomfortable journey that we're on. But would I go back to who I was 10 years ago? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I'm much less judgmental. I'm much more open to my heart and my mind are much more open to people and to learning and not. And I just know that there are things that are unknowable for me. And so um, I'm grateful for the opportunity to learn and to grow. And one of the biggest blessings of all of this is the people that you meet along the way. It's the, you know, David and Richard Osler's that come into your life and Peter Ryan's and all the other great people on our, we have 12 members of our moderation team and the incredible people who touch your life and that you learn from. And you recognize that this world is a big, beautiful place. And and there's a lot of that there's a lot that we can learn from people who are different than us and i think it's really impossible to completely understand something you haven't experienced but human nature is that we all want to be validated and in this group you will feel validated because whether somebody's experience is similar to yours or not we understand the wrestle and we want everybody to feel like there's a safe space for them so one thing i really know for sure I often say the older I get, the less I know about anything. But the one thing I really know is that we need each other and I want there to be safe spaces out there. And so this is this is important to me, this and the Bridges group. So that's uh, that's kind of my closing thoughts. Uh, here's These are great thoughts. Um, let's say a local leader is listening right now. Um, young women's president, young men's president, elders, corn president, release study president, bishopric member. Um, They have read the Gospel Topic essays. Um, They're not in a faith crisis, but they would like to join the group because they feel it would just help them understand how to be better in their calling by listening to lots of people's stories. Um, So it's not necessarily for their personal um, journey, but to help them be a better leader um, by being more thoughtful. Some of the things that blind spots that I certainly have recognized I had um, as I've listened to more stories, talk about uh, well, that's a, that's that's a, really a complicated good one. And I I'm don't glad know. you brought that up. So we're not a group where we want people to come just to be able to hear all the interesting stories. Like good. we really do. This is about personal support. And oh, one I of the things that. in this group is that um, when you put in, put up a post, we'd work hard not to be a bulletin board group. So if you read an article in Salt Lake Tribune or whatever, <laughs> it's got something buggy in it. It's not the place to come drop a link to just say, hey, have you guys seen this? 
This is really about sharing about your own journey. So I'm glad you asked that, Richard. This is important. So it does need to be the person is seeking support for their own story, for their own journey. I hope that clarifies it. Do you want to add anything to that, Peter? Yeah, the, the way that the last time that I was doing the admission vetting, um, I had a, had a good handful of of the people that requested to come in, very similar to the circumstance you described, where it was because they wanted to better understand, they wanted to better support. One person told me he thought he could help people with their testimonies, and uh, the the way that I responded to each of them is that the waters of Mormon is not a zoo. None of us are in there to be on display, to be looked at and gawked at by people who feel like they know better. And when somebody comes in with that perspective, I understand you think you're doing good, but it's not helpful. It's not helpful to any of us. So come in for yourself. If somebody needs us, send them our way because we will take care of them. Yeah, this really is about individual support. It's about it's about your own journey. So that's why we want to get to know you a little bit in the vetting process. And that's why we ask that all posts in the group are framed about you and your story. You know, so if there's, if you've heard a podcast that you really love and you want to share it with the group, then start a post, tell, tell about you and your story, tell us why this is meaningful to you. And then all links in this group go in the comment section. So, um, but yeah, every post we want to have personal framing, which shares something about you. And listeners, that's one of the things I've loved about the group, and it's a credit to the moderators. This is an active moderating group, but yeah, a lot of Facebook groups, we share memes or we share that article. There's no framing, there's no context, and that sort of fills up the feed of the Facebook group. But this one is um, really thoughtful that way. It has to be framed in the focus of your story, and even the links are in the comments to keep all that separate. So. Um, the work you're doing to make this group effective is really thoughtful. And I love your comment, Peter. We're not a zoo. We're not here to be on display. Um, that was really thoughtful. So uh, it's a credit to the maturity of this group listeners, the moderating team, and the and the narrow but important focus um, that makes this group work. So we'll link to the two things we'll link in the show notes are the gospel topic essays and this Facebook group. Um, now here's another question. Questions just keep coming to my mind. Okay, I'm, I've listened to this podcast. I'm not going to join the group, but you know, I've got. I think there's somebody that might like to join the group. Um, should I send them the link, or should I send them the podcast, or is it appropriate for me to make to let somebody know about this group, even though it's not for me? Sure, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, our focus yeah. is to be there to support whoever needs us. So. Um, we all want to be able to support other people who are in the wrestle, no matter what the wrestle looks like. So we do, please do share. Yeah, there is a group out there that, that might be of support. Know that we do have a vetting process. Know that you're going to talk to a moderator and um, share a little bit about your story. And then, you know, a decision will be made about whether this group is good for where you're at. Sometimes I tell people, um, be aware that we're here when you're done reading the essays, you know, come back to us. And if you, you know, or sometimes people will say, well, I've stopped attending. Well, okay. You know, know that we're here. If you ever find yourself in a position where you are attending again, then reach back out to us. We're here, you know? So, um, yeah, we, we want to be there to support people. That's our whole purpose. In some Facebook groups, I think this one, you can add members just directly as part of the Facebook functionality. And that's something we don't have control over, unfortunately, but we do ask that people request to join on their own because we want them to answer the question. So rather than if you're a member of the group, rather than putting a name in, um, we do want everybody to request to join on their own because once upon a time before we had had this all figured out, we had members of the group suggesting friends and then the friends were like, what is this group? I don't even know anything about it. So we do want people Good. to join because they are aware what the group's focus is and they want to join. So we want them to answer the question. In, in point of fact, I, when I see the, the membership request and it says um, added by, you know, so-and-so, I, I just delete them. I, I don't do anything else with them. If I see it, they're gone because they, we do really want them to request themselves. Yeah. yeah. Anything yeah. else, Peter or Jerry, that come to your mind? 
I just want to thank you, Richard. You're a great supporter of this group. You're a great member of the group. I know you are a super busy human being out there doing a lot of good in the world. And I always notice when you're in the group commenting or thanking people for their posts, you you are always telling people you're you're always supportive, even if it's a painful post where somebody may be venting a little bit, you always offer validation and love. And I really appreciate that because it means a lot to people that are hurting to know that there's Richard Osler's out there that are, you know, and Peter Ryan's telling them welcome home. Important. And welcome home, really. If if you feel you need us, please come join us. Yeah, exactly. So um, I love this principle. We're called to be gatherers, not sifters. And this is a group that's doing that. It's part of our baptism covenant. So um, thank you, Geralee Renshaw. And Peter, Peter Ryan, what you're doing doesn't show up on your LDS tools calling. <laughs> um, <laughs> <Nope>. It's like <laughs> many people in our church doing things behind the scenes to help create Zion and help um, um, honor our baptism covenants to bear more and comfort. So this is Peter, Richard, and Geraldine signing off on another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love. <laughs>